Hello and welcome to the Sexy Aging Podcast. I'm Tracy Minoknuku, your host. This podcast is part of a suite of tools and resources to help midlifers navigate the challenges that come with health and wellness. Many of the resources have a focus on the menopause transition and the challenges with gaining credible information and support. If you check out www.sexyaging.com and subscribe, you'll be informed of new podcast episodes, new blog posts, and details of my book, My Menopause Memoir. But now, it's time to tune in for today's special guest. I'm excited to announce that my Sexy Aging Lifestyle course goes live mid-May. I offer two hours of video content broken into micro lessons to help you understand the menopause transition, the symptoms, what's happening to your body, a special focus on midlife fitness training and nutrition, as well as touching on the effects of stress and the importance of sleep and rest. If this is something that interests you, Subscribe on www.sexyaging.com so you don't miss the discounted offer for the first 200 subscribers. This is the From Scratch Body. I'm Liv Austin and I believe that anyone can cook. Since being diagnosed with endometriosis, I have been on a journey to find out what food makes me feel great. By cooking my meals from scratch, not only have I started feeling much better, I've also fallen in love with cooking completely. So every week we explore a new topic that can help us feel better and become better cooks, and then I share a recipe with you so you can cook along with me if you want. You can always find the recipes and the transcripts from the podcast on my website, thefromscratchbody.com. Listen to The From Scratch Body wherever you get your podcasts. Well, this is a milestone. Episode 50 of the Sexy Aging Podcast and such an interesting conversation with Kim Fisher, MD and founder of Lucid, an advanced care planning coaching service. While this episode discusses dying, this is certainly not the end of the podcast. In fact, talking with Kim has shone a light on how important it is to truly live in alignment with our values, our purpose, and to spend the most quality time we can with those we love. Kim and I discuss how to prepare for death. This might seem like a morbid topic to discuss, but I can assure you this is an uplifting discussion and will provide food for thought. I hope you enjoy this episode dying to live. Hi and good morning from New Zealand. Welcome to the Sexy Aging. I have a very special guest in the US. Is that correct? (laughs) Yes. I just had to check because I'm kind of mixing up my Canadians with my Americans, which is what people say when they talk to Kiwis. They're like, are you from Australia? Um, So I'd like to welcome Kim Fisher, MD, from a company called Lucid. And I wrote down something that I wanted to share about Lucid. And I think it's having meaningful conversations about dying, which is part of living. And in the Sexy Aging podcast, we cover health, wellness, fitness, because that's what I'm into, 
um, and longevity. So the journey through sexy aging has been to find out how to live the best, most uh, vibrant life possible. And I also have been thinking about what does that mean at the end? Like, how do I want to exit this amazing thing called life? And then we got connected and I and you actually started making me think about it a lot more. And often with the podcast, I've said to the podcast guests, hey, isn't it amazing? We get this one shot at life, right? You get this one shot. So what are you going to do to really make the most of it? And then there is an end. And so when you get there, will you be happy with what you've put out there in the world? And um, so talking to you about that end is really interesting for me. Um, I'd like to introduce Kim. Kim, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Tracy, for having me here. Um, I just think that being on a podcast called Sexy Aging is also important to talk about sexy dying, right? And like how we live at the end of our lives. I always say, you know, that we have this, we live intentionally. We also want to die intentionally. So thank you for having me here. Um, like you said, my name is Kim Fisher. I am a physician anesthesiologist, and I'm also the founder of Lucid. And Lucid is a company that helps women who are in the thick of life get really clear about their wishes so that if something happens and they're in the hospital and they can't speak for themselves, their family members now understand what's important to them. And after they get really clear on their wishes, I help support them have conversations with their loved ones. So again, there's no ambiguity and they're really able to receive the kind of care that they want at the end of their lives. Yeah, that's, well, that's really clear. That's very lucid. <laughs> uh, what was the journey that brought you into this really unusual, I would call it an unusual life career, or career choice? So how did you kind of come into this? I know that you have a background in medicine, so maybe you can share with us like how you transitioned from one to the other. Sure. Well, I'm still a practicing physician. Um, and then I also uh, work with families outside of the hospital. And I'll say that as a physician, I unfortunately have seen so many families that are needing to stand up and speak for their loved ones and aren't armed with the information that they need to make clear decisions for their loved ones when their loved ones can't speak for themselves. Um, and a few years ago, my mother-in-law called me. She's like, you're a physician. I need to kind of get clear on the end of my life wishes. And I'm looking at all these documents and I'm completely confused. Please help me. And so we sat down and had this beautiful conversation where I invited her son because he is the person who's going to be speaking for her, who's my husband. And we had this great conversation where instead of just talking about do we want a breathing tube or a feeding tube or dialysis? Things are so esoteric. We talked about what matters most to you. Yeah. And I asked her, what does is, what is your best day look like? And it was this incredible conversation where she shared with us um, what brings meaning to her life. And her son got to hear it. And what I really recognized was that this was the conversation that was missing in so many of the patients that I took care of and that I want to bridge that so that when we're in a time of health and we have time, we can sit down together outside or virtually and have these conversations 
and get really clear about what our wishes are and share them with our loved ones. Yeah, that is so beautiful. I was just thinking about if we sat down with my husband <laughs> and had that conversation, how would that go? And you just got me really thinking about, um, yeah, what would I want those last days to be like? I've actually often said to my husband, you know, I feel like I've had the most incredible life. Um, and a big part of that is being deeply loved by him, by my family and by my children. And when it comes down to it, that's probably fundamentally what, what matters to me. Um, also being able to serve your purpose in life when you know what that is fairly early on or it just changes, but you continue to do what you're passionate about and knowing that, you know, I get to do that every day. Um, and knowing that, well, maybe tomorrow was the last is the last day, but I'm really grateful, really happy. So I think it's nice that if you are able to have those conversations, um, it just it feels uh, like you like you've been able to say the things that you might not say. Is that right? <laughs> it's a hundred percent correct. So you just hit on something so important in your telling your husband what's important to you. You're also reaffirming um, for yourself what's important, and you're giving it this space and time to ask yourself: Am I living that? Am I making sure that I'm doing the things with my husband and children because those are the people who I love the most? Am I sure that I'm living my purpose, right? That was another thing. And so you're kind of giving it this moment to like really recheck in with yourself and realign to what matters most to you. And I also think what you said um, is really crucial because what you just offered your husband is a lot of information. Now you won't find it on the check boxes. I'm not familiar with New Zealand's, but in, in the States, they're like, these documents are like reading menus in foreign languages that don't make sense. They never ask you these important questions. But what you just did is you gave him this filter to say, she wants to be living her purpose and she wants to be feeling our love. And if she can do those things, then her life is worth living. And that's an incredible filter to offer him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it is definitely an important discussion. So I want to know from your expertise, um, how do you speak to people about their last wishes or how do you involve loved ones? Like how does a conversation like that get started and where does it ultimately go? A lot of people are afraid to start these conversations. So I always think it's important to set sacred space. And so I always welcome everyone when we start our conversation to kind of picture someone that they love who's died and to really remember a beautiful moment with them. And I find that that takes down the level of fear and discomfort about talking about death. And it gets everyone really open to having this conversation. And in our conversation, there are three main parts. One is about getting really clear again about what matters to us. Atul Gawande wrote in a book, uh, in his book, Being Mortal, where he mentions a patient that says, what matters most to me is eating ice cream and watching football, right? So it's getting book. really clear. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic, actually. I read that book and it re that was one of the, the other tools that got me really thinking about what does my life look like moving forward, you know? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> I'm in and so, 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 right, so it's like getting super clear on like, you know, someone else recently said to me, what matters most to me is coming to the table and telling jokes 
with my grandchildren or what matters most to me is getting on the floor and playing with my grandchildren. We then get really clear about what you are and are not willing to tolerate. So are you a quality of time person or are you an extended time person? And what does quality mean to you? And then the last part, which I think is so important is getting clear on how you wanna be celebrated, right? For me, at this stage in my life, I want a big party. I want people to be dressed however they want. There's gonna be great food and music, right? For some people, they want more of a traditional funeral, but it's really having that interaction and being able to say, okay, this is the song I want played. This is the food I want prepared. This is where you're going to be. And I make sure that a part of that conversation is the person that's going to be speaking for you and making these decisions so that they hear what matters to you most. As you go through the conversation with groups, with families, what's the sentiment? I'm just sort of imagining having this conversation with maybe a group of really close friends, with my husband, with my sister, you know, like I'm thinking or imagining the people that I would want involved in that conversation. And yeah, so what's the underlying sentiment mostly? Do you feel like there's a, a sense of uplifting, good positive energy or is it kind of glum <laughs> I don't know you're the one doing this I, I'm really curious it's a really fair fair question and I will tell you I have found that it is actually loving that's the feeling that I get and that's the feeling that I watch with family members it's loving and there's a lot of surprise right you can be sleeping next to your spouse for years and years. And all of a sudden they say something that you look at them and think, oh, that's what matters to you. I never knew that. And so it's this conversation where we're reaffirming that we love one another and that being with generally each other is what matters most. And also we're surprising each other. A great story about this is that I worked with a family recently and the mother was telling the children how she wanted to be celebrated. And she was sharing oh, I'm going to want, they happen to be Jewish. I'm going to want some special Jewish music. And the children jump in and say, we got it, mom. We know exactly the song you want. And they say what it is. And the mom steps back and says, no, it's not that <laughs> one. It's a different one. And so here they have this great interaction of like, oh, we actually totally didn't know. And now we do know. And we'll make sure that that's the song that we play, right? And so again, it's loving, it's surprise, it's really this reaffirmation and reconnection to ourselves and the people we love. Yeah, that sounds so beautiful. I am just thinking that it feels like the sooner you have the conversation, the better, because like you've mentioned that, you know, you're with someone for years and I've been really happily married for nearly 21 years and I feel like my husband probably knows everything about me but I guess when you're put in this situation where you go okay so you know this is really important to me like you said if you affirm it today you realign your values and your course and your purpose and you and you keep moving in that direction so it's almost like it's good to think about the end while you're still half well potentially halfway there right Correct. The most important time to have this conversation is honestly today, both for the reasons of reaffirming and making sure you're living in line with your purpose. And really also because to your point earlier, we have no idea what happens tomorrow. And I can promise you that I have worked 
as a physician with so many families that say, I don't know, like we have been married for 30 years and I'm still just not a hundred percent clear what she'd want. Cause we never really talked about it. And I think that we all have this assumption that our family members will just know what to do. And I promise you that that has never once been the case. And the times that I have seen that family members are able to grieve without burden, kind of what I call clean grief, is when they are able to make decisions for their family members from a place of knowing because they've had these conversations today. They're not waiting until they're 70 to have the conversations. They're having them now. And so I really encourage people to say, you know, start asking your loved ones, what matters most to you? What's your best day look like? And be really prepared. Yeah, those are really nice questions and easy to start from. That's a good platform to begin that type of conversation. Uh, I'm going to say something that will probably make those that know me best laugh out loud, but I'm a little control freaky. So I think that <laughs> having this conversation and saying, hey, look, these are the, so here's the playlist, actually. <laughs> I'll give it to you now. And I want the theme to be this. And <laughs> Um, that sounds right up my alley. <laughs> right. And, and so, you know, that like you get to honor yourself, you get to honor <laughs> that uh, you are tapping into that love and desire to, to be, have that control and your family <laughs> member gets to be like, okay, well, we just get to grieve and we don't have to worry about making these decisions. And are we making the wrong decisions? So yeah. <laughs> and again, it is, it's also going to change, right? Like I would argue that maybe the song you pick today is going to be different than the one you pick 10 years from now. And so when you start having this conversation, they become easier to have and you tap into the language to be able to speak about death because I promise you it is the one thing I can promise is going to happen to all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here's a couple of questions that I've been thinking about and you know, I... I yeah, I, I'm hoping that you can answer for me. So what is your take on humans' understanding of the dying process? It's a big question. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a great question. I think it's changed. Um, and I think death has become medicalized, unfortunately. You know, years and years ago, our loved ones died at home and we saw death and children saw death. And it was really recognized as a part of the living process. To be human is to be alive and to die. And now that I see people dying in the hospital, uh, you know, I think it's 80% of people, at least in the States, are dying in the hospital. I think we actually have no concept about death and what it looks like uh, and how it affects people. And I think we have become so afraid of what death means and we don't have a language to speak about it. And I think it's really unfortunate and that is actually what leads people to making decisions for their loved ones that perhaps might lead to more suffering because we're so afraid to allow death to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what the um, the book Being Mortal highlights as well, doesn't it? It's that we have kind of medicalized and tried to sustain people, to keep people alive even when they're suffering. Um, and that actually was the point that got me thinking about what is living if you're not living fully, you know, if you're not 
physically well, mentally well. And those things play off in my mind on a daily basis is like, how can I maximize the tools that I have to stay as healthy, as as um, engaged, as committed, you know, <laughs> to the people that I love as possible without having becoming a burden to them. I think that's also one of the questions that people have is at what stage do we become a burden to our family? And would it just be easier to let them know, hey, don't worry, I'm good, <laughs> you know? Well, I think you bring up an excellent point. You just said like you're working and really present and intentional every day to be living healthy and to be moving, right? You just said that and to really be engaging. And those are the things that I would argue is what you're defining as quality, right? right. And so then that's effectively what your family knows that, okay, like she, that's how she defines quality of life. That's how you define being alive. And when you're doing those things, you're alive. And if you're not able to be living your purpose and or um, sharing your love with your family, then maybe that's not living for you, right? And that's really like the reason that I have these conversations with people so that if there comes a point where, and may it be far in the future, where we, we do have to make some decisions and we're looking at what does it mean to be living for this individual, we have the tools to say, oh, this doesn't look like how she wants to be living. Maybe it's okay for someone else, but it's not okay for her. And I know that because we've talked about it. Yeah, actually, after talking to you and um, and reading the book, Being Mortal, discussing with you, I'm, I'm pretty clear that I want to communicate that to my family and loved ones. It's like, if in the event that I am in this situation, I can tell you that is not living for me. <laughs> and therefore, <laughs> whatever happens from there, um, I'd have to sort of investigate what happens from there. Um, I've got one last question for you. And it's really around sort of fitness, health and lifestyle. Um, from your observation with individuals that do come to the end of days, are there some common themes between those that die healthy versus unhealthy? There are. Uh, and I think it's also how we define health. Uh, I will tell you that the most beautiful death I have ever seen was a woman who was in her 80s and took incredible care of herself. Unfortunately, she had a fall, which happens, right? Things happen. She had a fall and um, she had a bleed in her brain. And there was a question of whether or not they were going to do a procedure to potentially relieve the bleed and see if that made a difference for her. But there was really a clear understanding by the physicians that it probably wasn't going to change her uh, cognition and bring her back to where she was. And the children were very clear that, well, mom made it clear to us that a part of healthy living was her ability to be cognitively intact. And if this procedure is not going to offer her that, then that's not the appropriate treatment. And so they really recognized that she was never going to return to her version of a state of health, which was having her cognition. And they decided that this was her time and she was going to die. And I watched her surrounded by her family and for a few days, right? And I watched them grieving, but I also watched them celebrating her and celebrating who she was and feeling really confident that they knew they had made the right decision because she had expressed to them multiple times that my version of health is having my cognition. And it was just this beautiful reminder that I think dying healthy is 
is dying with grace, dying with dignity and dying in a way that we prefer if we're given that option, as opposed to being in the hospital and having lines and tubes and trying lots of things at the end of life that may just prolong time, but don't prolong quality. So I always go back to that family and think like this woman had written down her wishes and spoke them. And they weren't about nitty gritty, right? We never know what's going to happen to us. They were big and broad. Like my cognition is important. I want to be able to engage with the world. That's healthy living to me. And her family got to honor that. Kim, that's such a beautiful story. Um, it's like you read my mind because that is the most important thing for me too. I feel like my brain health and my ability to engage, remember, interact, converse, like talking and you know having meaningful conversations is one of my top quality of life, important things to do every day. Um, so that story for me, my I got a little bit teary. <laughs> I just feel like, yeah, that that's that's it, right? That being able to communicate the values that you have and letting your family know that under these circumstances, that wouldn't be quality living for me, and therefore, you know life's been amazing and let's move on to the next phase whatever that yeah. is right whatever you believe in so yeah right who knows what that is right yeah right yeah hey Kim this was awesome like yeah I'm super excited to be putting this podcast episode out in a few weeks um because it's just not spoken about and I've always felt like death is a part of life so thank you so much for joining me today you are so welcome. Thank you for having me. And you are correct. Death is a part of life and start talking about it now. I actually find that the more we talk about it, the less afraid people are. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed talking with my guest. I'm so grateful to learn that so many people are sharing the podcast with their families and friends. If you are a new listener, then I encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'd also love to know how you feel about the content, so take a quick minute to review and send your feedback. If you're a Spotify listener, there is also a poll and a question at the end of every episode, and I'd love to gain your insights there. Till next time, keep it sexy.